with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Wayne Cole. Happy birthday to you. Oh, I love Paul's mama. <laughs> oh, thank you, Aaron. I was going to tell you, my wife got me a birthday gift that I think you would appreciate. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it is a uh, Star Trek uh, Starfleet uniform hoodie, like the zip-up oh, nice. ones. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a couple months before it's cold enough to wear it, but Which it looks era really Star good. Trek? Uh, next gen, the like Captain Picard's red. Nice. Like oh, nice. Red. So does that mean nice. you so don't like it? Like loop. my wife got me a gift you would like? Is, is Aaron going to get it at the next man con? No, it's, it's something I thought Aaron would appreciate as well. No, I, Am I going to have to salute you it. next time I see you, Wayne? No. Well, that's just normal. <laughs> well, we are all fresh from, uh, or somewhat fresh, or maybe fresh. maybe not so fresh. Maybe we're a bit stale. But uh, we, we all partook of the DC fandom yesterday. Yes. And we're recording this on Sunday afternoon after we have had time to recover from various DC fandom festivities. Mostly the but day first, drinking. That's right. Well, I got to tell you, I started early and uh, continued throughout. So I was a bit hammered by the time we were done. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I didn't drink or anything. But afterwards, I watched uh, the Justice League Dark Apocalypse Wars. Yeah. Oh. Man, that's a downer movie. But it's good. <laughs> <laughs> So good. But before we get into DC fandom, we want to talk about stupid Marvel and stupid Marvel Marvel comic books. This is DC fandom. And and here we're going to we're going to muck it up with a little bit of uh, a little bit of the Incredible Hulk, or as we like to call him in that future time, the maestro. Uh Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he didn't conduct concerts. You know, that's not that's not what he's doing. He's not he's not directing a symphony. You know, he's directing people's lives. That's what he's doing. But uh, Peter David came out this week with, uh, you know, the character that he created. God, 20 years ago. I mean, it's, it's been a while. Something right? like yeah, that. Maybe it has even been longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, complete with Dale Keown covers uh, and uh, issue one's got a terrific you know, Dale Keown cover showing, uh, you know, the, the a, a more traditional Hulk morphing into what we know as the maestro. And this is the, the origin story. And before we jump in to uh, this issue, Wayne, I got to tell you, I'm just going to be straight up with you. This is the best thing Peter David has written in a very long time. Uh, I, I have been more miss than hit on things that he has written in recent memory, but I freaking loved this book. And, uh, I, I was, I was thrilled. I was thrilled by the artwork, uh, the, the Keown cover, the, the artwork by German Peralta, uh, within is gorgeous and really, uh, captures the era of yeah. the, the Hulk. Uh, that, that was going to be one of my big art comments is it yeah. feels like that era. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, we, we open up with smart Hulk, right. And you know, that, that Gary Frank era. And I mean, he truly captures that. 
And I got to tell you, I I I, I freaking loved this book. I love I loved the 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 we we were it was the Hulk as a place. <clears throat> excuse me. It was the Hulk as a place in time, like it was '90s Hulk, and it was just so of a of a of a period piece. And then it makes a turn into you know the era that that spawns Maestro, and my. God, it's a good book. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, you know, Maestro was a uh, a uh, creation by George Perez and Peter David, and with you know George Perez obviously on, on pencils, and it tells the story of this sort of future imperfect sort of uh, a future where the Hulk has become this diabolical genius, you know, and you know really sort of rules his section of the earth and things are, are crushed and ruined all around him. He's, you know, he and other factors have played into uh, the demise of all the heroes. And this tells that story of how that happened. You know, we never really got a full story in those original future imperfect books um, where, you know, how, how did, how did, how did Hulk become maestro? And this is really painting that story. I got, it was a fantastic book, but I've talked a lot. Wayne, what'd you think? <laughs> yeah. So I hate to say how much I agree with you on the whole, uh, not being happy with what Peter David's done lately until this, uh, going back, it's been a little while and I was, I consider myself a huge Peter David fan. Absolutely. But I have to say the last five, 10 years or so worth of his stuff just has not been very good. And yeah, it hasn't I've, landed me. Yeah, I've loved some of his novels back in the day. I was excited when he turned back, returned to Incredible Hulk, but he didn't do a great job in that series. But this, this was, he was going back to the Hulk period where he was hitting on all cylinders and he completely captured the feel again. I love the idea of getting this origin story because we never had that originally. We knew that the world went bad and that Hulk had kind of turned dark with it, but we never saw what drove him to it. And I like going back and exploring it and starting off with a Hulk that is in transition, but is mm-hmm. not at all this vicious Hulk yet. Yeah, he doesn't just emerge as maestro in this story. He he is the Hulk we've known. And, yeah, and they call him on the fact that he's not a killer. Yeah. Like they the multiple times characters in the book dare him to kill them. And yeah. he doesn't do it because this Hulk at this point is not a killer yet. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, I don't want to spoil anything about this book because there's so many wonderful things to discover in it, but you just got to know if you enjoyed that future imperfect story with, by George Perez and Peter David, if you enjoyed Hulk, the end, which I believe was a Dale Keown joint with, uh, with Peter David, um, Correct. You're going to love this book. You know, this this book is just it's so many times you just can't go back home again. <laughs> you know, you just can't go back and capture that lightning in a bottle again. And, you know, I, I don't know much about Germán Peralta, the artist here, but he's wonderful in this book. And so, Peter David's storytelling is pitch perfect. Yeah. So question, is this. Its own thing. Is this kind of like when Frank Miller comes back and does a Dark Knight book, it's like specifically in that continuity? Or is this tied in to anything going on in the Marvel Universe right now? No, this is definitely its own thing. It's set a little bit into, I don't want to say the future, because, I mean, it is set into the future, but it is that timeline's 
past, I guess is well, a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, the the future imperfect storyline though ties into Old Man Logan, right? Uh, it ties. So into this the, ties into that, the Old Man Logan. I well, don't remember I, I, how much I, that tied in because I feel like they had the Hulk, like the redneck Hulk babies, was something different. Yeah, it wasn't Maestro and Old Man. Wasn't it Logan? Okay. No. Yeah, I think that no, was a different Hulk. He was. Like, it was a uh, crazy banner that eats. eats yeah. Well, well, the I'm not sure. You know, it paints a picture that this is like a hundred years from now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it is it is segregated from uh, current Marvel continuity. But boy, it, it was super good. I, I I liked this book a lot. I can't wait for issue two. I feel like now I saw it come out and I saw it was written by Peter David, but I feel like Marvel needs to do a better job about promoting these maestro books the same way that DC promotes like Frank Miller returning to the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Because Future Imperfect was a pretty defining chapter of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um, And I didn't see any big ads for this. It was I saw this on the list of things coming out and read the description and picked it up. It wasn't something like if I had read about this ahead of time i'd have been excited yeah yeah no i agree there wasn't much promotion on this at all and which is a shame because it's a terrific book yeah well i will definitely pick it up i'm a big fan of the maestro of the maestro character and peter Mm -hmm. david um you know i'm not familiar with the artist and honestly the reason i didn't pick it up is as much as i like the maestro it just felt like i didn't know what more needed to be said Mm-hmm. So I was like, is this just like a lame tie-in that I'm going to hate? Like, I was actually worried about just it ruining other Maestro stories for me. Because, oh, and I, you know, I like, get why that. Why go back like, to the well? Yeah, like all of the returns to Dark Knight. Basically, right? all of right? the returns like, to uh, Watchmen and all of that. I feel like if your sequels suck, it ruins the original <laughs> enjoyment for me. It's why I haven't really oh, watched absolutely. The Matrix <laughs> since Matrix yeah. 3 came yeah. out. Yeah. Right? Like, if you know the story ends in a shitty way, like, you don't want to revisit the beginning regardless of how good it is. It's the reason why I can't watch The Sopranos anymore. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a good... That's a, I mean, that's very a fair point, right? Like, if yeah. the ending didn't stick the landing, I'm sure there are people who don't revisit Game of Thrones anymore because of the way oh, it ended, right? I won't. Yeah, yeah, I won't because the, the the last season was so much shit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I loved Battlestar Galactica, but I don't want to go back and watch it because I know how horrible the last season was. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I mean, I think that's just a common thing. It's it's hard to stick the landing, and it's hard to yeah. stick the landing in such a way that makes you want to revisit something like that. Yeah. You know, a story well, like and that. Well, and it, and again, it's hard to ca- capture the same energy you know, uh, the, the same dynamic force of the original storytelling. But I, I got to tell you, as far, as far as an issue one goes, mm-hmm. they hit it. I mean, they hit it hard. And I was like, wow, this is what I want to read. This is just so much fun. And there's so there's so much darkness there in the book without it just clubbing you in the head. And I'm yeah. just I'm eager to see where it goes. It's like it's darkness of the era. Yeah, that era would have the dark storylines, but it wasn't. It never felt like too dark or too vicious. Yeah, there was always some light there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, it, was, it was it was super good. I, I really recommend you pick it up, Paul. I will. I will absolutely. I will probably wait until the series is completed and pick it up in you know a collected format or something. But uh, I absolutely will check it out. All right. So are we are we done? Are we done with this Marvel? This 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 dabble in the other in the other side of the uh, 
It was the only Marvel book I bought this week. <laughs> well, I bought Thor. Oh, I forgot oh, to buy I Thor. Missed Thor. I need. Yeah. I forgot to buy it as well. I was so wrapped oh, yeah. up in my DC. I, I know Mine's you're. So. You're so indoctrinated by the fandom. The fandom, which we're 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 pushing the cheese out a little bit more, because <laughs> first we're going to talk about the Joker War. Um, Joker yeah, War I, update. I would say I'll be honest. I bought so many books this week, <laughs> but all of them were on the Comicsology sale that I lost track of what I bought. <laughs> So, you know, we had another Joker War chapter, a main chapter release this week, as well as a tie-in issue with Nightwing. Um, now, I'm going to say right off the bat, I feel like Guillaume March is not the right artist for these Joker War covers. I really hated this cover, and I, you know, looking back at the previous covers for these, these Joker War arc, I don't think I've liked any of them. Um, I feel like they should, you know, keep the artist of the, the interior of the book because I'm not digging this cover art. What don't you like about it? The, the cover for, uh, for Batman 97 Correct. has Batman, you know, with a manacle around his neck and, you know, chains, he's in a cell and, uh, Joker is lording over, uh, saying, feeling comfy, bats, bats. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like his take on Joker art-wise. I don't like the backgrounds to it. I, I'm i with Paul. I hate this cover. Yeah, it's just not an art style that I that I like. Um, sometimes, you know, Guillaume March is, is hit or miss with me, and this is definitely a miss. But especially when, I, I will say, I really like the interior art. I, I, I like this interior artist. I'm very curious to hear what Wayne thinks of the interior art. Um, because it seems like something that wouldn't be up his alley. Kind of Humberto Ramosy to me. Uh, uh, I definitely don't see that. Because my big thing with Humberto Ramos art is he doesn't do curves. Everything is very jagged and yeah. squared. And I don't see that in this art. I had no strong feelings for the art. I didn't like it or dislike it. I find the art gorgeous in this book. Uh, except, you know, I don't know that I need to see Joker in his uh, boxer briefs. <laughs> his little Speedos. His little Speedos. Yeah. Well, the, the you know, the artist on this book is Jorge Jimenez, and it is gorgeous. Uh, you know, despite the fact that I can't stand Punchline, uh, you know, he the, the each of these pages is just, you know, beautifully drawn and artfully colored. I mean, there's there's really nothing here not to like. On, in, in terms of the visual storytelling. I will say, I, I will continue with my complaint that I am so tired of Batman being up in his head and yeah. questioning his, his presence. Uh, I, I am, God, this has gone on too long of him being under the influence of the Joker toxin. Uh, and, and, you know, particularly in context of the stories that, that came prior to this story. Uh, I'm just I'm just super annoyed with it. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for, for Batman to be in control. I'm we know Batman's going to be in control. Let's go ahead and have him be in control. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I liked about this issue story-wise was Harley. I am tired of Batman being in his own head. I want him to get over that. Uh, the Joker punchline stuff didn't really hit for me. I don't care about the clown killer. A Harley coming back and being ready to... Because apparently she got beaten by Punchline and had her throat slit. So Harley coming back to be badass and get revenge, that part of the story is I'm interested in. 
I, w- I very much enjoyed the portion of the story where, you know, Harley takes Batman to Eden, the little, you know, safety zone that uh, Poison Ivy has created for uh, Harley. Um, what I was also amused by was, you know, uh, uh, Harley sharing that, you know, Ivy's rules, uh, Ivy's usual rules are no clothing in Eden, but I don't think you and I have that kind of relationship. I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, you know, I, the notion of, of, of Batman and Harley naked, you know, in this uh, sanctuary just really cracked me up. Well, and the fact that her and Harley apparently do have that kind of relationship. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like, to your point, I, I am ready for Batman to get out of his head. I, I'm Because I feel like when he's in his head, I'm missing the stakes, right? This is supposed right. to be this big Batman. It's the Joker war. Right, but when Batman's in his head, I'm, I'm, I feel like, okay, like this is the third issue that's essentially been the same thing. Give yeah, me, I give feel me like the story's momentum. happening and we're not watching it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just happening around, but you're not part of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But I will give this to the end. I, I'm, you know, it, I'm very curious. I know Alfred's not alive, but I'm very curious if Alfred has this entire time been a uh, an illusion you know um is he imagining alfred or you know are we gonna find out like we've theorized that alfred is perhaps an ai in his suit of some form or fashion mm-hmm. um, because at the end of the book you see alfred full and in person but he's already he's tripping at the time because right he's taking tripping balls tripping balls because yeah. he's taking the antitoxin but it causes this initial uh reaction so yeah. I'm, 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 I'm ready to find out. I'm ready for some momentum in the story. I'm ready for it to really move towards this showdown and to really feel the impact of the Joker War. Now, you did not read the Nightwing tie-in. I did purchase it, but I have not yet read it. Um, now, this is my first Nightwing book since that whole Rick Grayson nonsense. Yeah, I will and... say this is my second. I bought the first issue when he became Rick Grayson, and I bought the issue before this because I was reading Nightwing until that happened and then stopped reading it with Rick Grayson. Yeah. And you have to understand that Nightwing's one of my favorite characters. I, I absolutely love Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, and I also adore the writer who's writing this book, Dan Jurgens. Um, so I, I came into the book expecting that I was going to really dig it. And, and I got to say, the Ryan Benjamin artwork on this book is uh is very satisfying um i like how he draws batgirl batgirl uh features prominently i thought the the action and the pacing of the artwork was uh was strong uh there are there are flashbacks to you know old batman and robin adventures um in which you know nightwing is now poisoned by joker so he he has a skewed uh perception of reality and, you know, he thinks that he's son of Joker and that he and Joker are the crime fighters and that Batman is, is the terrible person. And he is set up to uh, face off against Batgirl, who has been captured by Joker and his army. And so, you know, you've got, you know, Dickie Boy, which is uh, Joker's name for uh, for uh, Nightwing now because he's he has shed his Nightwing garments. And so it's Dickie Boy versus Batman. Batgirl. And I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was great. And what I particularly enjoyed about this book is how smart and competent Batgirl was in it. 
she wasn't a victim in this book at all. She she was she was on point the entire time. And it's one of the things I love about Batgirl. I you know I like that 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 Batgirl is strong and competent, and that she's not just one of the girl Robins. You know, she she is her her own thing. And I, and I thought that uh, she was excellently written in this book. Yeah. So. When it comes to Batgirl, I absolutely love Batgirl and Nightwing team-up books and things mm-hmm. like that. I think, like you were talking, the art. Uh, I think the art's really good. I hate Dickie Boy's costume. Well, yeah, but you're supposed but, to. Right, but I <laughs> love seeing this artist on Batgirl. Yeah. I think he does a great job with the costume. And, yeah, I love all of the Batgirl. I love the strong Batgirl story. And the issue before this was also a strong Batgirl Coming to realize what was going on, but then being betrayed by Rick, right? Who's you know being now under Joker's influence. Um, I didn't. I don't think I enjoyed the book nearly as much as you. I loved all the Batgirl stuff, mm-hmm. but I still. I am just. I'm. I think I'm just tainted by the fact that I'm sick of Rick. I want that story to end. I want my Nightwing back. Yeah, you know, no, I was I, reading the book before this happened. I stopped the book when it happened because it was horrible, and I just want my Nightwing back. No, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I would, I'm hoping that this, uh, you know, Dicky Boy Rick Grayson thing doesn't last too much longer because, you know, I'm ready for my Nightwing. Well, I do yeah. believe that Robin or Dick Grayson re- returns as part of this Joker War storyline. Well, um, that's why I jumped on because I want to, I want to, to be there for that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, and Batgirl in the, in the story tries to convince him of who he really is. And, you know, he pretends to be swayed, uh, but he's still Dickie boy. Dickie yeah. Boy. Well, and one of the things I love about this issue is you've got your obligatory Dickie boy versus uh, Batgirl fight. But like you mentioned on Batgirl being as intelligent as she is, figures out what's really going on while this fight is happening. Right. And it's like, she's done. She's out of there. She, yeah. She doesn't keep fighting just to keep fighting or to beat him. She realizes there's bigger stakes somewhere else, and she hightails it out of there. Yeah. I, 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 Who's writing Batgirl right now? I don't know. Does anybody, now that you mention Because I, I really enjoyed how Dan Jurgens handled her in this book. Yeah, same here. I would read a Dan Jurgens Batgirl book after reading you know the last two issues here. Yeah. Cecil Castellucci. Um, and we enjoyed the last issue of Batgirl, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. In fact, the next issue of Batgirl comes out next week. That's how I know because I've got next week's books up on my screen, ready to discuss. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> the one. That's the one thing that does bug me, though. This, you know, this storyline with uh, in Nightwing versus the storyline in Batgirl. Yeah, they, they don't sync up. They don't sync up at all, and yeah. that. When I read the Batgirl issue, I'd already read the first issue, you know, the issue before this of the Nightwing one. And so I had that issue with it of they're not syncing up for Batgirl. How can she be doing both things? They don't work together. Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, maybe that gets resolved in the next issue of Batgirl. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Cause it, didn't we finish the last issue of Batgirl where both she and uh, Joker were unconscious on the floor of her apartment? On the, on the roof. roof. Yep. On the roof. So I yeah I don't know I don't know I mean she could she could certainly be where we find her at the beginning of this book from the last page of of, of the Batgirl book I mean that could, time could have passed I'm just curious how they're going to pick it up in the next issue of Batgirl 
and it would make sense if they pick it up with with her you know rushing out to uh uh the children's hospital right but i don't know we'll see except she can't walk so i guess we'll see well but her legs got turned back on so yeah i just hope they deal with it i don't want them to just have her be in two places two completely different storylines in the middle of the same event without ever dealing with it agreed but yeah you know uh three uh Pretty good books this week. Yeah, I, I think Maestro was was far and away the the the, the best book I read this week, uh, with Nightwing being a strong second, and uh, you know Batman coming in third. But before we're, we're pushing the cheese a little bit more, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, because before we get into talking about DC fandom, we're going to talk about last week's big premiere on HBO. Um, now available on HBO Max, so it is tied in, you know, to DC a little bit. Um, Lovecraft Country, and uh, you know, the, it premiered, uh, produced by J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele. Uh, you know, this this is the, uh, the 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 first episode came out, a seventy one minute episode. Um, I was kind of surprised when I started it, but now HBO has like funky episode length sometimes. Right. Uh, so I actually watched it this morning and uh, i'm ready to discuss it aaron i know we're excited to talk about lovecraft country i'm very curious to hear what you thought of it you know lovecraft lovecraft country comes comes to us with uh some issues that it has to address and particularly in the context of cancel culture um the value of telling an hp lovecraft influenced story in the racially charged atmosphere that we live in right now and you know the 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 history of social injustice you know in american history um i thought this show did a remarkable job of addressing that right out of the right out of the gate i mean you know the the character the main character atticus is you know talking to a woman on a bus you know that they had both been on a bus ride and they're the bus breaks down, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have to bring in a ride for everyone on the bus to get to the next town, but the black people aren't aren't welcome on the ride to the next town, so they have to walk. And so, you know, as they're walking, you know, he she's like, "Well, what is that stuff you're reading all the time?" And he's like, "Well, you know, right now I'm reading uh, you know, John Carter Warlord of Mars." And she's like, "Well, what's that about?" "Well, it's about this uh this ex uh, captain in the army of Northern Virginia during the, during the uh, uh, civil war. And, you know, he uh, gets chased by Apaches uh, hides in a cave and then winds up, you know, a, a Martian warlord on Mars. And she's like, wait, 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 you know, you don't get to put X in front of, uh, of Confederate soldier. You know, that's, you know, he fought for slavery and he, and he, he says, you know, directly, he says, you know, Stories are stories, and you judge them for what they are. You know, you don't you don't judge them based on on uh, the time they were in. You you judge them based on on the value of the story itself, and you just look past some of that stuff. And it, that felt very much a commentary on H.P. Lovecraft because anyone who's who's read anything about H.P. Lovecraft knows he was a horrible human being and a, a racist, and that's a very wild, much addressed in the wild show. Wild racist, <laughs> you know. And the, the thing that's so interesting about Lovecraft Country is that it is all about 
the struggle of African Americans uh, getting by in 1950s America, um, in the middle of Jim Crow. I, I thought I thought this story was fantastic, in uh, a number of levels. One, in just you know addressing that, uh, addressing. Uh, you know, the, 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 the inequities experienced by, you know, huge millions of, of, of Americans, how one of the main characters in the, in the, in the story, um, uncle George is a travel guide writer, but he's not a travel guide writer. Like, uh, you would expect he's a travel guide writer who writes guidebooks for African Americans saying, these are the safe places to go. If you're trying to get to Florida, here are the pla- here are the towns you can go to. Here are the restaurants you can eat at. Here are the safe places for you to travel. That's his his job as a travel guide writer. You know, uh, Aaron, something I find fascinating is a show like this. You know, because it's coming out now. It was filmed before the pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Same thing. Umbrella Academy season two goes to this that same era, mm-hmm. and these are also huge plot points. These could not have been more timely. No, not. Well, and think about and you, what you realize that it was all filmed and written before the pandemic. So, well, and think about what HBO has put out this year in terms of their their premium television, Watchmen, which was all about the you know uh, Black Wall Street massacre in Tulsa back in you know uh, I want to say the twenties. You've got Perry Mason, which has had a a uh, very strong. Uh, uh, B story going on about racism in LA during the thirties. It is, it, it was like somebody, uh, you know, two years ago at HBO said this, this is the undercurrent of story that we're going to weave through our narrative in whatever we're doing in, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021. Yeah. And no I, one can say they're capitalizing on events no. and just trying to make money because these were all filmed before the pandemic. So it was before a lot of these events brought everything back to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 at that level, you know, in terms of the storytelling and addressing these issues that are very much, you know, part of what we're experiencing today, I, I just, I, I was amazed at the adept manner in which they were addressed. I, I, I truly was. And then you throw in, you know, in one of the opening scenes. We see Cthulhu. <laughs> we see uh, Martian uh, warships attacking the Earth. Mm-hmm. We see, we see uh, you know flying saucers beaming people up. I mean, it's this wonderful scene that turns out to be a dream. But I was like, "Fuck yes, I am down for this show." Well, and it, it you know <laughs> it paints what what that dream sequence does that starts the show and you see you know the the princess of mars the red princess and and all that yeah. is it very much gives you insight into the lead character um the lead mm-hmm. character is an african american um you know in the 60s roughly 50s 50s it's um, set in 1954 oh okay yeah in the 50s who grew up reading science fiction and horror novels he is a fan uh, of of those types of novels and the pulp, and he you know he talks quite lovingly about them, and his family is aware of the stories as well, and so they they do have a conversation about how he he grew up enjoying the stories of H.P. Lovecraft, but his father would remind him of the, the horrible you know the horrible racism that H.P. Lovecraft had, 
Um, but, you know, a part of the, the, the concept of this story is that his father has gone missing and he gets a note from his father that hints that his father has maybe gone to Arkham, though, you know, upon further inspection, it appears to be Ardham, A-R-D-H-A-M, and uh, him and his uncle and his friend, uh, whose name escapes me right now, um, are, you know, you're take about, a road trip. You're talking about Letty? Letty, yes, yeah. Letty. Um, which you would be surprised that I forgot her name because I find her character fascinating and absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, she is gorgeous. Yeah, she just commands she, yeah. the screen whenever she's on uh-huh. it. And so, the, you know, when... So they, they go on this road trip together to find his father... And, you know, you, you experience racism throughout the country. You know, this is the time of um, sunset counties where if you're African-American and you're found out after sunset, you're presumed to be guilty of a crime and could be hung for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it it positions law enforcement during this era and possibly now uh, being just as horrific, if not more so. Than the monsters they face in, in 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 the show, I you know the the fact that you know they're they're in a known sundown county, and I mean there are signs like "Don't let the sun set on you." Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, the 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 county is very clear on its expectations. So they're out in the woods. It's still daylight. They got time, and the sheriff pulls up behind him, and he's he's like, "Well, you know, you've got uh, you got seven minutes before sundown." And they're like, well, just get in the car and go, well, you can't get out of my county unless you speed. Go in that direction. You'll have to turn around and go the other. And, you know, he actually ask, has to ask for permission to make a U-turn on the road so that they can get out of, out of the county. And, you know, the sheriff humiliates him by making him ask nicely. Uh, it, the, the, I can't think, and correct me, Paul, I can't think of a single white person in this show that is not a monster, you know, that is just not horrible at some level i mean from the from the people we meet at the gas station to the law enforcement officers these guys are just terrible human beings yeah i think you're right but i don't think that's um yes i feel like it's intentional now but there are characters and i think that's part of the the concept of the story is their experience with white america is all horrible however there, there's a, a woman who who saves them earlier in the show while they're being chased down out of town, and there is this character at the end who's very welcoming of them, and they're they're both white, and so I think that's part of the concept of the show is their experience with white America is so horrible, but then they find this probably predominantly white community that's very accepting of them. Um, and I, I feel like maybe we're going to see some of that uh, because unless those people turn out to be fish people, well, they're they're going to be fish people. <laughs> yeah, I think that, is, that that is a given. They're going to be yeah. fish people. <laughs> um, but but I, go ahead. I I just think in terms of, of just like we were talking about it with Maestro issue one, in terms of a first episode, I really felt like this did all the things it needed to do. I mean, you have a firm understanding of what's going on in the story. Um, unlike Perry Mason episode one, where I'm like, what the fuck, <laughs> what is going on here? I think I, 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 I remember Atticus's name. I remember Letty's name. I remember uncle George's name. Uh, whereas, you know, in Perry Mason, I really struggled in the, in the first episode or so identifying who the characters were other than Perry Mason. Right. Um, 
I, I think this show in terms of its storytelling is super strong. The direction of the show is super strong. Uh, and I, I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, I, I, the, so, you know, it's with Lovecraft, right? There, there are some very iconic, there's very iconic imagery associated with Lovecraft, but also the fact of, of Lovecraft is that most of Lovecraft is a slow burn, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's the unseen terror or it's the cosmic terror that's, you know, beyond imagination. And one thing that concerned me in watching the trailer is that there are like freaking monsters in this show, like just monsters right. running around the woods who eat people. And in <laughs> and, and the trailer, I'm like, well, that's the type of Lovecraft that like, you know, that, 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 that's, that, that's when people take Lovecraft and turn it into action, you know, action horror. Well, it's, it's a creature thriller. Yeah. Creature thriller. Yeah. But it really, really worked in this show. It was such an exciting sequence when the monsters show up and then the characters cross that covered bridge, which if anyone's a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, they're aware of the covered bridge. If anyone who's seen in the, um, that Sam Neill movie, In the Mouth of Madness, mm -hmm. right? Like that covered bridge uh, in, in Massachusetts is very much an iconic image. And when they're walking across it, you know where this story is going to go. Well, and, and it's uh, very, I mean, you see the, the difference in the, the wild nature behind them that they just walked out of and they walk through the covered bridge and then the, the grounds are so well manicured. I mean, it's very surreal, right. Uh -huh. And how they emerge into this other world. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, you're right, Paul. I, that, that was, that was very clear. I got to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, to one moment in the show. They are hiding out in this cabin in the woods. Uh, trying to, you know, avoid being devoured by these, you know, thousand-eyed vampire-like creatures, and you know that that are that can burrow through the ground, you know, so the burrowers underneath, they can climb through the trees, they leap, they're 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 gigantic, big and strong, and you know, Uncle George, Letty, and Atticus are all in the cabin with you know two wounded and frightened uh, police officers. And one of them is mauled really bad. He got he got bitten pretty hard, and he starts turning, you know. And you know, Uncle George had already made a made a comparison. Like, well, these these things are acting like vampires. They don't like light. They're you know doing this. They're doing that. And Uncle George, and this is what I love. You got these two guys who are such pulp fans, right? They're pulp fans. They're horror fans. He turns. Uncle George turns to Atticus and says, "Hey, what what happens when a person gets bitten by a vampire?" And they're like, "Shoot him! Shoot him!" <laughs> <laughs> shoot that shoot the deputy you know and it, it was just it was a great scene and it's one of those things that you know why don't people understand you know dracula is part of our culture why don't they understand these things and uh, i i just enjoyed that nod yeah. that the characters are smart and they apply the knowledge that they have even though it's from fiction yeah. right but they're I, intelligent I, I versus that. you know the 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 alternative you know you see the the ignorance of the world at the time. So I, I, I loved the show. I loved the first episode and I'm yeah, very much really looking good. forward to continuing with it. Uh, now, Aaron, here's the, here's the, the main question for you. Yes, sir. Will you be watching the show on a weekly basis or will you wait to binge watch it at the end? I'm probably going to watch it on a weekly basis. Ah, damn you. Okay. I guess I will too. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Mm. <laughs> now I'm not going to watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it later this week. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it's, it's late. Yeah. I'm sheepy. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's my thing is, I mean, you know, HBO likes to put their stuff on at like nine o'clock at night, my time. And I'm like, you know, I'm already starting to turn lights off and getting ready for, for Monday morning. You know, yeah. I, I don't have time to be up till 10 watching TV. Aaron takes off his pants at 8.01. That is exactly correct. (laughs) The boys are dangling and I'm heading to bed. Which is kind of impressive because he doesn't put them on until like 7.55. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very brief window. Well, and if I'm being honest, I haven't really worn pants in about six months. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) Nothing without a waistband. Nothing with a zipper and a button. Yeah, I've been in shorts continuously for the last six months. (laughs) Dressed like I'm 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) well for listeners who have waited this long patiently for this long to find out what happened in the fandom fandom well i feel like everyone already knows what happened in the fandom uh because thankfully uh you know though fandom is a 24-hour only event all of the major trailers have been released online but i will say all of the panels we're exclusive to Fandome. so uh you know we're going to talk about things like the milestone announcement that was only available you know, during that 24 hours of fandom. Well, I'm sure someone recorded it. I'm sure it's bootlegged on YouTube. But, you know, my point is, um, you know, it, it was the the DC fandom exclusive content, the panels, the interviews with the creators, things like that, uh, were only during fandom. But all the trailers, the Wonder Woman, Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad, Snyder Cut, Black Adam, uh, Suicide Squad Game, and the Batman trailers are all available right now on YouTube. And we're going to talk about them all relatively briefly here yeah paul when it comes to the news though let's face it our listeners don't want to go read articles they're like me and aaron they want you to tell us the news (laughs) (laughs) well dc fandom was august 22nd uh it was a 24-hour event starting at 10 a.m pacific time but but wasn't it a 24-hour event that was really eight hours of content played three times correct so it originally started as 24 well it originally started as much more content but because because people like us bitched and complained about overlapping panels what they have instead done what they instead did was they took the eight hours from the hall of heroes the main panel kind of like your hall e hall h whatever the big san diego comic hall h hall h they took your eight hours of hall h content and showed that you know from they showed that for eight hours and then they repeated it and then they repeated it again whereas every other piece of content has now been moved to september 12th and will be freely accessible during a 24-hour period so you can yeah. just watch they it gave that time. as their reason but i don't buy it i, don't, I feel I, yeah, like I maybe it wasn't technical ready technical issues i think because their whole thing was it was supposed to be this full 3d environment yeah. that you walk around like a video game walking from room to room and all of that and I just don't think they were ready for it. I, I think they had technical difficulties. So instead, they said, we can do streaming. Let's do away with all of this 3D walk around, push everything in the other rooms back so we can just stream and do something we know we can do. And I think that right. was a smart decision, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I think that, number one, I mean, as, as recently as, what, two weeks ago, it was not intended to function on mobile devices. It was going to be a browser-only event, and you know I was able to watch it on both my iPad and my computer, uh, which was great for me because I started off out in the backyard with scotch and a cigar, uh, watching the first two and a half three hours. Um, 
I think that was the wise thing to do, to make it more accessible rather than less. And I'm sorry, this walking around in a virtual environment, that's great for your for your video game experience. But when you're when your intent is to share information about your product, when you're hyping your media, remove any of those barriers, even if the, the barrier you think is really cool. You know, I, I would, I, I gotta tell you, I was really concerned. Like, am I going to click on the right thing to get where I need to go? Cause all of this stuff was pretty precision timed. Well, and as it was with the way it, with the way they ran it, I'm sorry, Paul, I know I'm talking, no, no, please. Uh, but you know, as it went, I, this thing went off really without a hitch. I was going to say the exact same thing. I, I watched eight hours of streaming content and I'm sure thousands of others did. I'm not going to say millions because I'm sure it wasn't. Um, but it was probably hundreds of thousands of people around of the world. People. And at no point did I have any technical issues. Yeah. yeah, it didn't freeze up at any point. Yeah, Any of the lags was because some of these people, well, all these people that are on there <laughs> are doing it from their houses right? and their home internets weren't good. But it wasn't a case of this, the stream from them. It was from the individual people. Yeah, And my own, my big complaint with the format is just... Like Aaron was saying, I think it should have been more accessible. And by that, I mean it should have been on HBO Max and DC, DC Universe streams. I would agree. Why, why you agree. wouldn't do that, why you wouldn't create live streams within you, the two platforms you own is beyond me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, the fact that it was just, again, no complaints about the technical issues. And quite frankly, yes, there were panels that weren't as good as others. I have zero complaints about the content. I feel it I was would agree. all well yeah, produced. There's... I thought it was the fact that I had to tell. So Jen surprisingly saw a decent amount of it. Um, and we, you know, uh, I, I had to tell her, you realize they're not even in the same room. Like there were people standing next to each other, like Matt Reeves right. and Aisha, Aisha Tyler or Zachary right. Levi and some other folks. I'm like, you realize they're not actually together. They're just pretending they're, they're standing in front of a green screen in their own homes and pretending to interact with each other, she's like, th like the, the 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 way in which it was produced was so flawless that yeah. you you really think these people are just standing in a room together. Yeah, you realize it's green screen. Of course, they're not standing in fucking space. But you know, they're 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 not even in the same room. And I, I thought the the fact that they pulled that off in. And I don't know how long they've been producing this, but I mean, it was extremely well done. I, it was precision production mm -hmm. is what it was. I, I I really was expecting something rather amateurish, to be perfectly honest. And the whole time I was stunned at how well it worked, how well it was produced, how much I enjoyed myself. I mean, I sat in front of a video screen for over six hours mm -hmm. yesterday and really had a good time. And but And I will say... Part of my good time was that I made it an event, right? Yes. You know, like, like Paul, Paul, tell him what you did. Well, so, you know, it, what else? What, what else am I? Maybe this is just because I've been home for five months. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I had custom DC donuts. Uh -huh. you, you guys can see this on our YouTube channel, um, youtube.com slash IOMgeek. I had custom donuts. I made, I, I bought cookie cutters and made Batman and Superman symbol shaped burgers and cookies um you know i just i just made it a thing you know even though it was really just me and jen you know like yeah slept 
But, you know, <laughs> I was like, are you going to be home for it? Because I can't eat all these burgers. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, Paul, you know, you just need to apply yourself. <laughs> but, you know, I, I made it a thing because it was it, it's the first DC fandom. I was super excited about it. And, you know, the things that were going to be discussed were things I'm very excited about as a DC fan. Um, and it, 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 to see something like this accessible to me. Right. This isn't me, you know, looking at YouTube or Twitter while everyone's in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con trying to track the news. This is literally them streaming the content for everybody for Directly free. Directly to me as it's yeah. being shared. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have to say, I approach this very differently from Paul. I came in and I had done my schedule and there were only three or four panels I was even interested in. And I did do like so I didn't have to go cook or anything. I did DoorDash for food throughout the day. But I sat down, I had to take my laptop and plug it up to HDMI to get it on the TV because it wasn't on any streaming app, so it was only on a website. Right. And I found myself, I was planning on just pausing it, go, taking breaks, and I watched through the whole thing. And what made it partially like an event for me was that we were all talking through, uh, through chat yeah. the yeah, whole and time I and commenting. And that's what I was going to share, Wayne, is that, you know, I, I, I had my, my special cigars and my special scotch and, you know, drank uh, through most of the event. <laughs> but the thing the thing that made it so much fun, I mean, I really I, I think it ratcheted the fun up for me was chatting with you guys throughout the thing. And, you know, it puts me in mind that when we do this again, I think we should open it up to more people. I think that, that we should, you know, create a larger Instagram chat room for this. Yeah, that'd uh, be fun. And, and yeah. you know, for, for anyone who wants to join, because that was so much fun. Plus, I got so irritated with the scheduling on the damn thing. I stopped even going to the to the schedule and just said, hey, Wayne, <laughs> what's coming up next? Do I have time to feed the dogs? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it was, it was, it, it's, it, I think it succeeded. Now, hopefully it was successful, but at least as fans, as a fan of DC, as a fan of these characters, um, it succeeded in most aspects. Yeah. What my main disappointment is, and, and we'll talk about the panels here in a second, um, but my main disappointment is that all of the comics news other than Milestone were shuffled till September 12th. I got to tell you, yeah. that is my that, that is my only complaint is that it was TV and uh, uh, film focused. Yeah, it yeah. was not it was not a, an equal balance at all to the comics. And in fact, that talked about comics was basically a five minute. Here's a video and not like yeah. live conversations. Yeah. Well, it was here's a video of ain't comics. Great. I mean, that was essentially what those videos yeah. were telling you, with the exception yeah. of the milestone media panel, which I got to tell you guys super excited about what was revealed uh from milestone yeah. that we're we're bringing back the milestone with brand new material in february of 2021 with you know dennis cowan working on it uh th that you know we're going to get an icon and rocket book uh other other characters we're going to get a static book. yeah we're going to get a static book that's um, digital first yeah, well, and we're going to get all of that delicious 1990s-era milestone uh, comic books released to Comixology. And they said Comixology by name. Yeah. Uh, 
I, they named a couple different platforms, but they said they're going to release it all leading up into the relaunch. So yeah. we don't have to wait till February. We're going to start getting this stuff released. And that was one of my complaints is there wasn't a lot of actual news or announcements throughout all of this. Right. The milestone was filled with new information. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they and, just discussed it. And what I loved about it is that they just discussed it kind of offhand. You know, like Jim Lee, so Jim Lee was, was funny on the panel because at the end of the panel, Jim Lee goes, so to recap, here's all the stuff that we just <laughs> dropped in casual conversation that's actual right. news. Yeah. Um, now, Milestone Returns number zero, you know, they talked about February, but Milestone Returns issue zero, uh, um, they, there's a preview of it right now online, just Google Milestone Returns, uh, but the it will actually be available digitally on September 12th uh, for the second part of DC that Fandom. Is, that's awesome. So, you know, if, if, if I'm, I'm super excited about that, and I, I feel like that wasn't clear in the panel, but again, the panel's previously yeah. recorded. Um, but the news is out there that September 12th, you'll be able to get your first look at Milestone Returns. And, and minor sorry. complaint to the Milestone panel, you know, as these panels were coming out, so you had the Suicide Squad panel. After that panel uh, played, they added Suicide Squad t-shirts to the DC Fandom store. After the Batman, same thing. Uh, when they got to Milestone Media, I immediately went over to the shop and kept refreshing throughout the day. And there is no milestone media t-shirt out there available yeah. even though they've got that beautiful cover art that they developed for issue zero uh and that they revealed in the uh, panel mm -hmm. they did not make a uh, milestone media shirt available and i think that's a big oversight i, I you know so yeah. I, I, I will say the things that they put shirts out for were the movies right they put a, a batman they put batman shirts suicide squad movie and uh, black adam movie but i was surprised yeah. to not see uh, a Gotham Knights, the the new video right. game announced yeah. shirt, or uh, you know, a, a, or to your point, the Milestone stuff. Like what was yeah. it was interesting what was released as a shirt and what wasn't, and I don't know, maybe that's just rights or different companies and things like that. But Milestone would have been low hanging fruit, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I agree. And uh, I, I one last thing before we move from the Milestone Media, the panel that they had, I don't know if, if you guys caught into this, but there was a. There was this amount of joy uh, that just really emanated from those guys. Uh, they just seemed to enjoy talking about it. They seemed to enjoy being there. Mm -hmm. I was I was really amazed by that. And the whole time, I'm looking at Jim Lee, you know, uh, who is the only non-black uh, uh, person in the in the panel. And I'm like, well, what the hell's Jim Lee doing here? I mean, yeah, I know he's publisher or whatever at DC Comics, but what the hell is he doing in this panel? And what I thought was great is they brought him in talking about, you know, back when he and he and the guys were starting up Image and Milestone was starting up. And, you know, they, they, they shared how at San Diego that year when they were both kind of getting getting going, you know, you had the, the crowd of rowdy talent that left Marvel to go form Image and they're all in, in you know, T-shirts and blue jeans and all the milestone media guys are wearing suits. <laughs> and I died laughing, you know, because, you know, Jim Lee's like, these guys are wearing suits. I mean, they look so professional. And uh, uh, one of the milestone guys says, man, that's just brothers at a club. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked the fuck up. But they made the point. They said, you know, since we're an all black organization, we had to step up our game so that people would take us seriously. 
And I, the, the whole time, these guys have got these great big smiles on their faces. They're laughing. They're having a good time. And I'm like, man, this is what I miss about going to cons. You yeah. know, and I thought that the fandom did a brilliant job, particularly in that panel, but in others as well, of really demonstrating the joy. And yeah, the, they brought the, the joy and the fun. Yeah, absolutely. One of the absolutely. things I loved on some of the panels were they got the stars of the movies and things to play games. Yeah. There were two or three panels that did that where they're playing they're just playing a game together. Yeah, <laughs> I and hated I that panel. I will say that Wonder Woman plays the werewolf panel. I was like Oh my god! Like um, you couldn't. You I, could, <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot, but I like the Suicide Squad uh, trivia better. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those, right? So yeah. we we had Suicide Squad. We had the first. We had the reveal of all the cast and some footage and behind the scenes footage of Suicide Squad, uh, James yeah. Gunn Suicide Squad, which stars apparently everyone in Hollywood. Yeah, there's like 17 different characters <laughs> this time. That is a huge cast. I think a lot of them are going to die pretty quickly, long. though. I feel I, I think yeah. that's kind of the point of it. Um, is that they, I feel like they're all going to die. Well, many of them will die pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Eddie kind of hinted at that. But just one of the things I loved about that panel and seeing some of the footage and all is that they didn't shy away. They picked some of the lamest characters they didn't try Soul. to, yeah, <laughs> dot, yeah, polka yeah. dot. They didn't polka try dot, to, man. yeah, they didn't try to cover that up. Give them updated costumes. No, they put their costumes on the screen, and he leaned hard into that, those characters, and that, that just makes me smile so much. I am ecstatic about the Suicide Squad movie with James Gunn because I think he's going to do an incredible job with what we saw. The cast is just astounding even though most of them will probably be in for only a minute or two and yeah. then die. But that he's leaning so heavily into you know unapologetic comic book material. Yeah. I got to feel I got to say if it wasn't for James Gunn I don't know that I would be excited about Suicide Squad. Oh no, Squad. I wouldn't because no, of the I, track record of Suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah. But I like that he is—he has really in, embraced the Ostrander books, you yeah. know, and, and that he, he actually talked to him about it. I mean, I, I'm excited about that. I get excited when people go to the source material and demonstrate, you know, that they're fans. Well, and yeah. I will say that's one thing that I appreciated about James Gunn, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so and we'll talk. Actually, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Right. So James Gunn very much talked about John Ostrander's run and how much he enjoyed it. And, you know, sometimes that's all bullshit. Right, and but when James yeah, like Jack outside, Nicholson saying that he was a comic book fan and he loved the Joker before he ever became the Joker. Yeah, my ass. Yeah, my ass. <laughs> right, but you know when James when when James Gunn says it, I was like, you know what? I could buy that. He didn't pick out Tom Taylor. He's not talking about the current writer, you know, or the new Fifty Two iteration, which is what they normally go to. He said John Ostrander, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe even if he's lying. It, he's I, establishing street cred. Yeah, and he said Ostrander came up on, on set. I'm like, I, I, I can buy it. Now, when Robert Pattinson introduced the clip for the Batman, he's like, it's a fan of, it's a character I've always been a fan of. I'm like, fuck you, Robert Pattinson. You are lying through your teeth. You haven't read a comic book in your life. Um, and, I, you know, I, so I, I felt pretty harshly about Robert Pattinson. And he was only there for a brief introduction. And then they had a way too long Q&A with the director, Matt Reeves. And I say that as a fan of Matt Reeves because he did these amazing Planet of the Apes movies and Cloverfield. Um, 
Now, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the Batman and how none of us were necessarily looking forward to it. Well, and it was interesting hearing him talk. The things he was saying were hitting all of my buttons of this guy. I This guy's full of it. I just do not care for what he's going to do until I saw the footage. Because yeah. he kept talking about how, you know, the same thing you always hear from people that are making a movie that just ignores all of the comics. It's this is going to be a version you've never seen before. Yeah, it's a version a story you've, never, you've seen never seen. Yeah. This is a version of Batman you've never seen before. It's a version of Penguin you've never seen before. It's you know, it's the Riddler like you've never seen him before. I'm like, yeah, we yeah. can can we cut this interview in half? Now he did say some interesting stuff, which um, it's funny because you. It's very Nolan-esque in that he said the film is more inspired by films like The French Connection, uh, you know, and 70s crime dramas uh, than, than it is by other comic book movies. And you kind of get that sense in the movie, uh, in the trailer that's shown. Yeah, the footage, and in fairness with the trailer, I gotta say he's right. This is a version of Batman I haven't seen on the big screen before. Yeah. And it looked this damn is, good. It yeah, looks this damn is something... good. I wasn't sold at all ahead of time. I was not interested in any way. I thought this was going to be horrible. And then very quickly, between the footage and the conversation, it becomes blatantly obvious this is a Riddler is killing people and leaving clues, leaving riddles. And this is a murder mystery movie of catching the Riddler. Yep. And he's right. We have not seen that type of Batman story in movies. We've seen the big action hero fighting villains. We haven't seen Detective Batman in live action in any of the films. And I'm suddenly 100% on board. Yeah, I thought the trailer was very, very interesting. I liked that he said it was a year two story. He's like, you know, I feel like we've, we've seen Batman's origin. So we, we, we went ahead to, and jumped to year two. Right, so you know, a lot of these rogues are still coming into their own, but, you know. And he just the way he described it, I'm like, it sounds a little like Gotham, but he really did capture a, a great feel in that footage. And he said we've only filmed 25 to 30 percent of it uh, oh, before wow. before the pandemic happened, but they still were able to put together a trailer. When and Aaron, it sounds like you haven't seen it yet. Um, see it. I, I I was genuinely surprised. I've yep. seen some of I've, I've seen some of the trailer that's been posted. I didn't I didn't catch the panel that happened. Uh, uh, don't catch the I, panel. I, Panel's garbage. Yeah. But the, the trailer. <laughs> the trailer. <laughs> but you know the I don't I do not care for the design of the suit. God, I just can't bear Robert Pattinson. And I'm sure that'll change between now and when the film actually comes out. But uh, I wow I uh, he is he is not my Bruce Wayne. You know, it was funny we were. Uh, my wife is watching this with me and it comes up and she's like, I don't like that actor for Batman. It's like his chin isn't right. And then we see him in the costume and she's like, oh, never mind. That he's perfectly fine. Yeah. I, 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 so I, I, I was surprised. And, you know, another thing that surprised me um, trailer wise was Wonder Woman 84. God, that looks so good. I didn't think it did in the previous two trailers. But what's funny about this trailer, right, is that in theory... Wonder Woman 1984 should probably be coming out on Blu-ray any day now. Right. right? It, yeah. was, it was supposed to come out back in May, um, you know, in theaters, maybe, maybe April, uh, you know, back in, in, in theaters. And, you know, given normal time frames, we'd be looking forward to the Blu-ray release right now. And now we're getting a new trailer. And I got to say, like, 
this was my favorite of the Wonder Woman 84 trailers. I thought yeah, it was it, really well done. What it was, looked really good. What was really interesting to me in the panel, they make a comment. So I've, I've known Steve Trevor is in this, but I have no idea how he's in it or any of that. They make a comment about how they've switched roles, and he's now the character that's being shown around the modern world by her. Right. And that was really fascinating because it means that however they're bringing him back in, he hasn't been around all this time. He's being brought into the modern world from having been dead, and she's showing him around the modern world. That That's kind of a subplot I'm interested in. Yeah. It looks, it looks super good, and I just got to say... Uh, did you notice the inconsistencies on how they pronounce uh, Gal Gadot's Gal? name? Gal Gadot versus <laughs> yeah. Gal Gadot, yeah. yes. Yeah, and, and I mean, I was like, okay, I need someone to be consistent here. Well, the <laughs> Can first... we get a ruling on the name? <laughs> well, the first time when they said Gal Gadot, I'm like, oh, I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. But every other person said Gadot, I'm like... Yeah, he... well, but even Zack Snyder called her Gal Gadot. Oh. And I'm like... yeah. Okay, I'm not sure which one. I mean, because you heard it both ways from people who should know. I'm sorry. He called her Gal Gadot. Yeah. Patty Jenkins called her Gal Gadot. Oh. And I'm like, okay, I I really need some, you know, both of those people should know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I have a complaint about a a panel I don't think either of you watched. Did either of you watch the QA with Harley? Yes. The cartoon. So my issue with it, I... First of all, I loved it because I like that cartoon. My problem was they had to bleep it for every cuss word, <laughs> and it was basically a long stream of bleeps. Yeah. It's like, what is the point in even having this if you're going to censor it? And you could write it without it. It wouldn't be true to the character that we see in the TV show, but it was just the bleeping was over the top annoying because it was just a constant string of having to be bleeped. But I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. And I, I thought the beeps actually made it funnier. My uh, highlight of the entire thing was Batman Beyond, you know, Batman, oh Terry McGinnis, and Bruce Wayne watching the Batman that, 66. Holy shit, that was hysterical. That was it was great. like Mystery Science Theater meets uh-huh. Batman. And I, you have all of the comments. And I was even sitting there, it's like, come on, they have to say something about the eyebrows. And then the very next thing Terry says... Do you paint your eyebrows on there? Yeah, it was hysterical. I was like, they have to mention the mustache. And then they mentioned the mustache. Uh, it was, like I say, it was the highlight of the entire event for me because I laughed so hard and it was so much. It's just that you're talking about the pure fun and glee. And that is just the highlight of it, the entire event for me. It was just, I enjoyed that so much. Well, well, I think I think that that we're burying the lead here because Paul has had a gigantic <laughs> erection ever since the Justice League panel. Paul, yeah. well, so you know, I know Wayne's not a fan of of Zack Snyder and what he's done with the DC EU, um, and and he reiterated that all day. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I mean, Shut up, Wayne! Shut up! I love Shut this. your whore mouth, Wayne Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, they they had the. Uh, the panel was a little like, okay, shut up. Um, you know, Zack Snyder, you know, had quest Q&A with the cast and, and some fans of the Snyder Cut, including, you know, the, the people who actually started this release, the Snyder Cut movement. So the panel was like, it was okay. I didn't really care as much about it. But the release of the trailer uh, for the Snyder Cut, I... So I'm going to say the one negative thing first. 
the, oh God, the, okay. the one negative thing about the Snyder Cut is that Zack Snyder filmed the entire film in IMAX format. Uh, so it's in a box ratio. So for anyone who's seen the trailer and thinks that, you know, it, like they see the, the black bars on each side of it, it's be, it's that's how we filmed it. He filmed it as this square ratio uh, for IMAX screens. I don't like that, but other than that, I thought the trailer was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I and part of what I, I watching the trailer, one, it looks like an entirely different movie, including scenes that you've seen before, but now look different. Um, whether because they were refilmed with a different cinematographer, different coloring characters were completely cg removed from scenes before um it care it, 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 it seems like um cyborg's dad had a much different arc in the original film because you you see his character die in the trailer which didn't happen in the original justice league movie it looks like an entirely different movie and you get to see dark side um you get to see the original steppenwolf you get what appears to be um who's the uh Desaad? Mm-hmm. What appears to be Desaad in the trailer, uh, I loved everything about it, and the choice of music was perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love this trailer. You're gonna I get thought... more of all of the characters, and what I thought was interesting, we knew they were gonna split this up as like a mini series, but it's going to be a four part mini series when it comes out on HBO. And he said four one hour parts, and I'm curious as to if if that's genuinely are we talking about 59 minutes here? Or are we talking about 40 minutes? Yeah, uh, or are we talking I, about one hour? Yeah, if you include the credits, and you know, you're gonna have an opening sequence or whatever. Right. Yeah, but um, go but ahead. I'm super excited. I, I thought it was gorgeous. Again, I thought to your point, Paul, the uh, music for the trailer was 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 perfectly chosen. Yeah. Uh, and really, I, I, it really captured a, a, a sense and a feeling, and I can't wait to see it. I really can't yeah. wait to see it. Same here. I'm very excited. Um, you know, and I, someone asked me yesterday, did they uh, did they mention whether it was going to be four episodes released all at once, or is it going to be weekly? I think we all know the answer is weekly to force you to pay yeah. for an HBO Max subscription. Um, yeah. One, to keep you coming back, right? Yeah, exactly. But super excited Week- about that. I guess weekly makes more sense. I thought it was going to be done as a miniseries over the course of a week, an hour each night. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, they didn't really say. They just said it was four episodes. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so I know we're, we're running long here. So I'll just briefly mention, I, I know you guys aren't gamers as much as I am, but I was super excited about the Gotham Knights. Um, it looked hot. Trailer. It, it looked really did. I, I thought that looked that looked pretty pretty amazing. There, there wasn't much to talk about in that Flash panel. Um, you know, the, the Ezra Miller the Ezra panel Miller or one. the TV? The Ezra yeah, Miller no, one. Yeah. The Ezra Miller pa- panel was a waste of time. Same, the Shazam panel was cute. They revealed the yeah. title of the sequel, Fury of the Gods, but none of us really liked the first Shazam. So exactly, so can't can't say I'm too yep. excited about it. And but I gotta then, say, with any other actor, the Black Adam panel would not have worked with just him talking. But The Rock, mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson, is so fired up about this movie, about oh. this role. His energy just came pouring out. Well, and not screen. only that, there was information in that one. Yeah. yeah. We got to see the Justice Society is going to be in it, and we got to meet their Atom Smasher that's going to be in it. And yeah. it's like that, I was really excited suddenly yeah, to the, see the reveal some of that of information. Just, the reveal of Justice Society was big, and you know, you're know, you going to see Hawkman, it looks like. You're going to see Dr. Fate on the big screen. Cannot wait. 
Cyclone uh, from the Jeff Johns yeah. run. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think maybe it was James Robinson. It was both. Um, yeah. But I, the, all that, even though without without any footage, The Rock, you know, teamed up with Jim Lee and Boss Logic to create basically a motion comic that he narrated, mm-hmm. um, you know, had interesting concept art and stuff to show, uh, character yep. designs, and hinted that maybe we'll see Black Adam face off with Superman. I don't know if yeah. that, you know, that was like wishful thinking, but, you know, they have the same personal trainer and he's been talking about that as a possibility for a while. Well, and his background in, in professional wrestling has really built his ability to hype <laughs> you yeah. know, and promote. And I mean, the whole time I'm like, I mean, everybody should be taking lessons from this guy because yeah. son of a bitch knows how to sell. I am. Take my money now. Yeah. I want me some Black Adam. Can not wait. Yeah. And Paul, you're mentioning video games. The Gotham Knights, I thought was interesting, but Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. I knew nothing about that until watching the the video footage. Mm-hmm. And like, so my wife is sitting right there and on the couch, and she's like, I need this game. Because well, she yeah. is a huge Harley fan. <laughs> yeah, but my but only disappointment is that that one's not till 2022. We still have a few yeah. years on yeah. that one. But um, it looks good, and I like what they said about it as they were looking at him. I think the very limited cast is because there's going to be a lot of programming into what each character can do. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Well, one panel that was not... But that was originally scheduled for DC Fandom that was actually released on IGN, and I haven't seen it, but I'm just letting you guys know about it, is the uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow panel was instead released on IGN. It's an IGN exclusive uh, DC Fandom panel for DC, uh, for Superman Man of Tomorrow. Um, you, you know, know talk Paul, about you just hit on one of my complaints is that they start this thing off with all of this iconic music of the characters, and they play so much of the original Superman soundtrack and this was not a like Superman was glossed over. Yeah. There are all these panels there wasn't a Superman panel of any kind. Yeah. But you know, one what briefly what was re- revealed in that panel is they talked about the next four DC animated universe movies uh, or DC animated movies including that Batman Soul of the Dragon movie we saw talked about set in the 1970s, a Justice Society movie set in World War II, and a two-part adaptation of Batman the Long Halloween. Um, you know, scheduled all scheduled for 2021, and, and they did with the Tim Sale artwork. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, D- Superman Man of Tomorrow is actually available right now to purchase on oh. uh, you know on your streaming provider, and I purchased it, so I'm going to yep. give it a watch. I was I was excited for it, huh. and I was hopeful I was gonna. I think it was I think it's released today because they were originally planning on premiering it. A DC fandom yesterday. Yeah, I was going to get to see it for free. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, yeah. you have to pay your 20 bucks, but you get all the extras, and there's a lot of extras on this one. Cool. I'm going to buy it and watch it tonight myself. Uh, one other thing that I don't know if you guys caught, they did reveal a little information about John Ridley's Batman. Oh, yeah. yeah. The mini coming up that his Batman is a story about a black Batman. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be uh, Luke Fox, even though they didn't say as much. Well, clearly there was a lot to love in media this week between, uh, you know, Maestro and Joker War and the DC fandom. Paul. (laughs) Yes, sir. What are we going to love in media next week? Well, next week we get the continuation of Joker War in the pages of Batgirl, as well as a tie-in from Detective Comics. Um, Also from DC Comics, we get the final issue, I think, of Plunge. Uh, Plunge issue six comes out next week. Super excited about that. Um... 
we also get, and I know this is more up my alley, but they are releasing um, uh, a trade paperback digital edition for only 10 bucks of some of the classic Justice League Unlimited comics. You know, the, these were comics um, written during the time that that Justice League animated series yeah. came out um, in that and drawn in that style. And so, I don't know, I might check it out. It's only 10 bucks. It's got, you know, a bunch of different issues in it. Um, from IDW, you have Mars Attacks versus Red Sonia. I only <laughs> mentioned that because that seemed like an Aaron thing. Um, <laughs> you get new a new issue of That Texas Blood, one of oh, our yeah. favorite current titles from Image Comics, and the big release next week that we are guaranteed to talk about, hopefully, is Batman Three Jokers, issue one, finally shut, comes shut out. Shut your mouth. Finally no. comes out. That's not true. This Tuesday. <laughs> I won't believe it until I can press the button to buy it. Yeah, as long as Jeff Johns doesn't fuck up anymore between now and Tuesday, we we will have Batman that 3 Jokers right. on right. our iPads. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about the fandom. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise you can also hit us up on our social media channels iom geek on facebook instagram or twitter thanks for listening guys we'll do this all over again next week podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast